I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Open a flask. Take your trousers off in the front seat and relax with Jules and Jim and their joyride. Our guest today is often found skulking around the ladies' underwear department wearing his omnipresent Mickey Mouse gas mask, tormenting the sail girls with his fiddling stick and sticking his head around the changing rooms, shouting, your girdle's on fire. He is, of course, the top actor, <laughs> Mark Benton. Oh, Mark, that's me. Here. Uh, Thanks Mark. for having me. How about that for an introduction? <laughs> the, had you prepared that one for Mark, or could it have been for just that whoever a, it might have been? That was a kind of, yeah, it was a general, general purpose introduction. <laughs> well, I liked it, I loved but it. It kind of fits. I thought it was apt. Because I've known you for a long, we've known each other for a long, long time. A long, long time. And you're, it always seems to me that you're always driving everywhere. You, know, you, yeah. you, don't, dri- you don't get the train or the bus. Or you just drive everywhere. Well, obviously, I'm driving everywhere at the moment. But, yeah, I do. I like my car. I know you do. I like to have a drive around, you know. It's your little haven, isn't it? Play music. It's the only place I can get away with playing heavy metal without anybody shouting at me. Oh, interesting. You're a heavy metalist in the car? Yeah, well, I, I, I was, a, I was a, a headbanger when I was young and I was into, uh, you know, noise. And I still have a punctual for a bit of uh, bit of noise as well, yeah. And do you find that, for instance, what's, what's one of the most, uh, what's the most exciting piece of heavy metal you, you listen to in the car? Well, it always changes, doesn't it? I mean... I used to love ministry, and I remember when I, I've, I discovered ministry, and it was kind of industrial, was something I'd never heard of, and, and I loved it. I used to play it full blast in the car, and I uh, I tended to drive a little bit faster, which isn't always a good thing. Exactly, that's what I wondered. If, if you hear certainly again, exciting music, does yeah. it make you drive that a little bit more aggressively, a little bit more I think it, uh, on I the think edge? I think it did, yeah. I mean, I think it did. I mean, obviously, I'm an old codger now, so I've calmed down, but... Um, I just used to love it. I mean, you know, and I, and I, I, I think you know when I, I remember when I was young, there was a guy called Mad Mick, and we we I remember we sold him some, um, we got some herbal cigarettes and and took the insides out of herbal cigarettes, and some flour, and we told him it was drugs. And um, Mad Mick fell for it. We got a tenner off him, yeah. I think, for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I wasn't there, and I remember he. he took a little bit of flour, I think he must have ate a little bit of flour or something, and he started talking about green men and all this kind of stuff. Well, he hadn't, so in other words, he had, had no actual, he, nothing to change his senses or no. perceptions whatsoever. No, it was literally but because, flour. because you told him that that's yeah. what it was, and he paid for it, you, yeah. you, he, it became... He was going to get the most out of it. But I remember him saying, you know, they, all the lads were going, oh, he just all he kept saying was, oh, Ben, oh, oh he's just a poser, isn't he? He's a poser. 
you know, because at the time I think I'd gone into level 42 or something, and he was, <laughs> I was like, I was out with the gang then. So Mad Mick hated me. So the, 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 heavy metal, and I was just thinking about this, like metal and ministry and stuff, and industrial yeah. metal and stuff like that, because mm. you grew up in Dormanstown? No, Grangetown. Grangetown. Yeah. That, which is in Middlesbrough. No, Middlesbrough. Oh. But that's yeah. very in- industrial, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I lived right between ICI and British Steel, basically. I and mean, then, we were the last little town. I mean, it was sort of the roughest council estate in Cleveland where I grew up, you know. But um, they've got those... I remember walking along the beach there and you can see through huge doors, like massive plumes of fire yeah. where the melting things... You mean like whether subconsciously that affected my... Well, they say that, don't they say, like, you know, Black Sabbath and people like that who've grown up in, in Birmingham and here in the banging of yeah. industry, like, um, suggested heavy metal. So yeah. was it the same with you? I don't know, it might have been. I mean, I, I, who knows subconsciously? I mean, I, it was like that when I grew up, you know. I mean, literally, we were in the works and, you know, one side you'd see, this, you'd see the, the fires going off at ICI and the other side you'd get the steel rolling through the mills and the blast furnaces were there as well because my granddad worked on the blast furnaces. And, um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I love a bit of that. Did you? A bit of industry? Yeah. I love a bit of industry. If I could paint well figuratively, I think I'd go around and paint a bit of industry. Yeah. It's quite difficult to paint a hot ingot because when I was at art school, we used to go around to the Bell Foundry in Whitechapel and it's really hard to paint fire that looks like fire. But, Mark, when you were there, surrounded by these great furnaces and uh, industrial things, yeah. did you expect that you were going to go and work there? Well, of course, when I grew I mean, by the time I'd got to working age, there was no jobs. I mean, there was, the only unemployment was like, there was nothing going on at all. So you thought, I'll go to RADA instead? <laughs> I'll become an actor instead. <laughs> well, actually, my, my, the thing was, my uncle was an actor. And um, when he was an actor, it was sort of unheard of from my where I'm from Middlesbrough, you know, around that area, unheard of for people to go and become actors. And he, he headed off. And I remember, I mean, I must have been sort of eight, nine, and he used to come back during the summer holidays and he used to bring people back with him. He used to, he, he, his best friend at uh, drama school was uh, Michael Beck. And I'd look up to them and I'd be like, oh my God, I really want to be like you. I went to see me in a, playing, a place called Colne. And you know the, the most this bizarre player people masks on and stuff. But I just remember thinking, oh, I want to do this. What What was your uncle's name? Yeah, uh, it was well. His real name was Johnny Benton, but his his acting name was Michael Gunn. But he was a bit of a hero man, really, and he was a great well, of course. man. And I wanted to be like him, and then it just stuck. And and then I was in a band, and I was acting, and it was always, oh, which one am I going to try and become an actor or try and make it with a band? Did you go around? Did you do any gigs? We did, and. We well, we've started as a heavy metal band called Stallion <laughs> with a Y, which I'm very proud of. Where was the Y? Came up with that name. <laughs> yeah, where was the Y? <laughs> Stallion. Uh, oh, nice yeah. Stallion. Do you know what I'm saying? Nice. And who were you in Stallion? I was the guitarist. Yeah. But I mean, I I, I use that term loosely. And uh, then we we split up and we formed this kind of pop funk band. We used to rehearse in the music room at school. And there were, we didn't have a name, and we were going to do this gig at school. Well, I say a gig; it was like a you know play three songs in the second half of a kind of mishmash of things from the school. And um, there was a poster on the wall for makeup, and it said "Face Moods" on it. So we just went, "Oh, let's call ourselves Face Moods." But sadly, our wonderful—he was—he was a brilliant bass. He's a very talented lad, but um, he had unfortunately tried to hold up a corner shop with a 
plastic gun. <laughs> and we got he got put on a curfew, so we were just that was it. The band was over. Musical differences. But when when people want to be in bands at that age, like everybody wants to be the guitar player or the drummer yeah. or the lead singer. Nobody wants to be the roadie or the accountant. Yeah. Or the uh, and all of that. <laughs> That's a good one to want to be though, an accountant. Yes. I was in a band in the uh, in the seventies, and we played at a place in Stockton, and the woman. Who uh, who ran the place said, "If you don't do any Elvis, they're gonna kick off." And uh, we said, "Well, we don't do that. We don't know any. So we won't be doing that." She said, "You better." And we didn't. She stopped us after three songs. So you, are you gonna do any Elvis? Because they're all getting itchy out there. <laughs> and we said, "No, it's not doing it." And then it, it did actually all kick off. There was a there was people started fighting each other with pool cues. Have you ever have you ever had anyone having a fight in front of you on stage? Oh, well, frequently, yes. I mean, uh, that, that was, yeah. I mean, that was a good part of the learning curve. But I mean, I think that was the thing. You, the places used to be much rougher. I think they used to get fights in places like often, didn't you? In, in pubs and things like that, and you just sort of ignore it, you know, sort of carry on playing, try and calm them down. Did you ever feel in danger for your life? No, although I did once we played in one one time we were on tour with the Tubes and we were opening for them this group the Tubes who were kind of great, but we were but in this one particular town the local sort of band who was sort of happening at the time they opened for them but it was agreed we could go on in the middle but we weren't on the bill so the curtain comes down after the first local band's been on then the curtain comes up and all the audience it's a big theatre are expecting the Tubes but instead it's us so the hooray turns to mm. As, as it, they realise it's us for, they've got us for half an hour now. And it just went from bad to worse. And in the end, they just hated us. And they were booing and they were chucking things at us. And the security man came onto the side of the stage and said to me, you've got to tell them to get off. We can't guarantee your safety any longer. You've got... And they were, and, and in the end, it was like sort of a load of missiles coming onto the stage. And Glenn Tilbrook did a thing that was brilliant in that he said, he said, do you really hate us? If you really hate us, want us to take off. Yeah, stand up, put your hands above your head and applaud and cheer as loud as you can come. Go, and so, they also, so we went off to a standing ovation. Unbelievably. Brilliant. <laughs> Did you drive around to your, to your gigs? At the time, I didn't have a car, no. That would mean this, this what was, was your first car? My first car cost 250 quid on the road. And it was, I still wish I had one now. It was a Saab, but it was the old shape. It was the round shape. Oh, nice. A very nice shape. Yeah, and it was the estate version. Ooh. And it had fins at the back. Did that have a particular name? I don't remember it. Having, I just remember it being a, I think it was a 95 or a, because there was a, there was a later version that was called 95 as well, but this was 95 or 94. Yeah. And my dad bought it for me. And he cost 50 quid for the car. It cost 50 quid to tax it. And it cost 150 quid for the insurance. And I used to sit in the drive and, like, you know, act like I was driving it. And he got it going and it wouldn't go. I mean, I I loved that car. Bright orange it was. And everyone used to take the mic in. It didn't have a boot handle. You, you had to put, you know, you, the handle was, you had to put it in to open the boot. And it wouldn't go above 60. But um, <laughs> it was great. And I used to think it was really cool because it had this thing called freewheel hub which was like, if you put this freewheel hub on, it's basically like going in neutral down the hill. So every time you went down the hill and took your foot off, it would sort of just glide down the hill. Yeah, I loved it, that car. And I gave it to, I, gave, I remember I gave it to, I left to go to RADA actually. 
uh, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. You but, know. But, but, but could you have not taken the Saab to the Royal Dramatic Academy? No, I, I was too scared to drive it in London. And I didn't even know if it would make it to London, you know. But I remember I What sort it, of journeys had you been going on it then? Just local? Just local, how, yeah. Was, well, how far would you go? Go to York or Newcastle. Oh. <laughs> well, I remember when I was when I was probably about nine. I used to think when I when I grow up, I'm going to get a Jensen Interceptor. That was the that was my dream car. Yeah. And then looking back, and I think that nah, I, I, th- I wouldn't be seeing Dad in one of them now. <laughs> this, well, I used to think they were really good looking, but they're quite weird, ugly things. I think now. Well, I, I remember my dad's my dad the cars. I remember my dad had. He had a Westminster. Oh, I've, I oh, have yeah. one of those recently. Which Lovely. Which a big, you know, Lovely. beautiful. And my my biggest memory of the Westminster was, I remember we left my aunties once and because there were no seatbelts then and I just was messing around. I must have been five maybe or I literally rolled out of the back door or, or down the road. <laughs> I opened the back door and just you, you know, um, rolled out. We were talking to Imelda May and the same thing happened with her when a sister rolled out the back door of it. Yes. So this is there's a trend appearing here. <laughs> yes. But in the old days it was perfectly acceptable if you do if you were a bit too bored of a child to get them to just you know un- put them in the back of the car, take them for a journey, leave the back door slightly open in the hope that they might roll out. Yeah. <laughs> so you rolled out down the road. Yeah. Rolled for quite a while apparently. Had a big <laughs> scratch on my head. Oh dear, that sounds horrid. What sort of speed were you doing? Probably seventy, eighty. Hundred and twenty. <laughs> Around a corner. That's quite a thing, though, to fall it's out. It's very painful. It? I did fall out of a car. I was, we had a Bedford You've van. You've done it as well. We had a Bedford van with sliding doors, right, And uh, which we bought for 15 quid. Well, I, I managed to get it for squeeze. They didn't seem very pleased with it, but I was very pleased. Anyway, and somehow this roadie we had was driving it. I was in the... And he said, can you just check out the back, make sure that there's no mirror on the on the passenger side. I slid back the door as he's just gently going along, looked, leant out the door, looked behind and shouted, yep, you're all clear, at which he turns right, propelling me out of the van to the left straight onto the road. I had to be, I had to lay in the back of the van for quite a while. But it's the same sort of thing, you know. Yeah. I think, well, and, but nowadays, I think the modern door doesn't allow that so easily. No. Now. No, I'm the only one who hasn't flown out of a door yet. But I remember it being, it was like a tank. It was like, I mean, I know I was only small, but, you know, in your memory. It was a big brute of a car. Was it black? No, he painted it, I think, or my mum painted it, hand-painted it, I believe. What colour? Blue and cream, I think it was. Hand-painted blue and cream, Austin Westminster. They might say to me, I'm wrong. My dad and my sister might say, you're wrong. What did they paint? The emulsion? Dulux? Probably. Gloss. (laughs) Dulux gloss. Yeah. I I had an Austin A110 Westminster, and I loved it. The smell of it I loved. I mean, it was just like being a sort of senior police officer. Uh, You needed a pair of gloves. And in all of the things you saw... The TV things like sort of Gideon's Well, whatever these policemen would be piling into the Austin Westminster and sort yeah. of chasing after the villains. But in reality, I can't see how they ever caught anybody. I'm amazed anybody has ever yeah. apprehended with an Austin Westminster. Yeah, it was um, massive. Massive, very slow. Well, he had that, then he had a Cambridge. Oh, yes, well, oh, there's a, small, had, a smaller model variant, yeah, of course. Cambridge Estate. I, I had an um, Austin Cambridge, and uh, <coughs> me and my friend. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We bought it for 50 quid and we drove to Aylesbury and uh, there was Linda's farmer on in concert there. So we went round the back and saw the roadies hanging around the back and said um we're friends of the group so can we go in and wait for him in the dressing room and they let us in <laughs> so we just then found a crate of <laughs> newcastle brown ale just special. walked out with it Lindis found own special Lindis yeah Brown-Ale. and sat in our austin cambridge and Brilliant. drank it all and slept in it overnight why did yeah. they come up with names like that i wonder cambridge westminster austin somerset is the car that i buried in the field because it went wrong all the time. It was, it was never right. So was it like revenge? It was kind of like, I want to, it's such a lovely thing. I want to keep it forever, so I'll bury it in the field. So it's there as a monument. Oh, like the, the ant farm, you know those people? Have you heard of those? I don't know, the uh, the ant farm, they're an artist in California. Yeah, oh yeah, they yeah. Do, there's two things I know they do. One is they do a reenactment once a year of the assassination of, the, of Paul Kennedy with the car and everything, because they've got all the cars. The other thing they've done is in the desert, they got like sort of maybe 10 or 15 Cadillacs and buried them nose in the... Ca- oh, each, I've seen but like, So 19, it goes from 1950, 51, 50, or something like this. 1950, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, etc. Because as you go along, the fins get bigger and bigger and bigger. Because they get, they get the, and they're the all stuck out of the ground, and they're all stuck at an angle, <coughs> yeah. behind one another, with the front, with the noses buried in the ground. Yeah. Well, that so was you know, that what was I did in, with yeah. mine. It was sticking with its nose out of the ground, hmm. and it's and the the fellow who I got to dig the hole, he was having his breakfast was eight tins of lager. Oh, sounds like a reliable fellow. <laughs> and what did he think about the... I mean, what did you say to him? He didn't ask any questions. Was, no, it, was, it was actually for a documentary. They wanted me to do something, right? you know, to have a story around it. So well, I want to get rid of that car, but I want to keep it, so I'm going to bury it. Oh, Jim, do something daft, will you? Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty much it, yeah. When I had my Austin Cambridge, I used to like dressing the park. And I like that idea of dressing the part if you're going out in a particular vehicle. I had a Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud, and so I always like to imagine myself on a Saturday morning in a sports jacket with a polo neck going to the golf club. So I put a polo neck in the spot. I mean, I never went to a golf club, but I imagined that's what somebody in Isha would do in this Rolls-Royce. Yeah, and, it was and you could drive there and hang around and hope that you might make some friends. Yeah, I'd, I'd have, a, I'd have a, a, a gin and bitter lemon <laughs> <laughs> and have a cigarello. Yeah, just hang about. It would be great, yeah. I'm anyway, just rocking my brains to the fact, what would I wear to go in a bright orange Saab? Well, Swedish, yeah. kind of... Abba, sort of... Naked. I could have one of those. <laughs> naked, of course. Yeah, naked like, with one of those big orange bouncy. What they call those big orange bouncy things you used to bounce on? Oh, oh I know, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, with, with the two little horns. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, not yeah. a whopper, what are they called? <laughs> 
Space hopper. Molly, our producer, has reminded us that it is a space hopper. Now, there's a form of transport we haven't discussed. Did you yeah. have a space hopper? I did have, we did have a space hopper, actually, I think. But I think... Uh, you say we, did you share it? We shared them. Of course. Among the household, <laughs> you know. With your mum and dad. Yeah. I remember we used to have a, we used to have a car and, get, and we wrecked this car. It was an old car. And we completely... We used to have mud fights. Do you know Clarty Marty? <laughs> we used to have Clarty Marty, which is basically mud and water, you know, and you make mud cakes and all that. Yeah. But we used to fight. We wrecked this car. My dad had got this car and put it on the drive to, to do up or something. And we completely... We used to, the, like the whole street would come and play in this car. It was great. He, he must have been heartbroken. Look what my children have done. They've sort of got the whole street to come and ruin. Exactly. He's still not talking my to me car. now, bless him. Talking about clothes, I put this jacket on today. My, this tweed jacket, which I haven't had on. Can I just describe it to the listeners? Yeah. It's a delightful colour. So how would you? What, what colour would you describe that as, Mark? Like it's a, a rust, russet. Russet. It's a russet. Oh, russet. I'd, I'd call it a russet coloured yeah. tweed, thick, heavy tweed jacket. Yeah. Nice. Beautifully yes. cut, like a 1930s well-dressed farmer. And the fellow who made the, the, the tailor. No, it was a fellow in Harris. He said you can always tell. He says if you go into an old Oxfam and you see an old tweed jacket. So have a sniff of it. If it was made before, I think it was 1967, they used to cure the, the tweed with sheep piss. So he said, if it smells of sheep piss... It's a good one. You can age it. So oh, I green. thought you could say, it's, it smells of sheep piss, it's a really good one. And I happen to have one that smells of sheep <laughs> piss. It's cost a bit more than the others, but you should have it. Yeah. Anyway, so I haven't worn that for about 10 years. And I always like what you can find in your pockets mm. of a jacket that you haven't worn for a long time. And in my pockets was this, which... Why don't you describe what I found in my pocket? Well, I would describe... It's a miniature Cross and Blackwell cream of celery soup can is how I would describe it. What sort of... How Made would you of tin. It? Made of tin. I don't know where I got it from or why it was in my pocket. Yes, it's a tiny, tiny can of soup. Celery soup. It's the size of your thumb... Uh, in great condition, does it open? I've not tried. And it's it's quite it's. Uh, oh no! Was there something? Awesome! Oh, do you see that? Some what? like spores came out of it. Yes. And I breathed them in. Yeah. Yes. You know, you oh, could have oh, breathed oh, in an ancient oh. disease <laughs> from a, from a Victorian <laughs> celery's disease from celery soup. Oh, yes. Yes. I saw. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it was probably from a 1950s doll's house. But all the, all of the dolls will be dead, so that that's a, like a haunted doll's house that you. And got that was from. the ghost of the dolls. What I think it is, Jules, is I think he's got me under false pretenses. He wants to get rid of me, so he yeah. made me open the soup so that I, I'll expire. And now a message from our sponsors. I've got a problem. Yes. I'm always getting out of my car, not wearing any knickers, and the paparazzi have a field day. (laughs) Well, thank goodness you wear trousers. Mm. But what if you were a Scotsman? That would be a problem. Not anymore. Now you can save your dignity with this all-weather leather and brass fringed posing pouch. The press will never photograph you again. How wonderful. You've just been to Sicily, haven't you? Yeah, I went to Sicily. Um, do, I was in a film called Serrano, um, which is a musical version of Serrano de Bergerac. With Peter oh. Dinklage. With Peter Dinklage. Did who you was, go on the plane with him? No, no, he was amazing. But uh, with this, with the COVID, it was quite a harrowing experience travelling on the plane because, Oof. you know, from the moment I walked out of the house, I had the mask on, basically. And um, I don't know about you guys, but... 
after a while it was so claustrophobic and of course so i get the car to the airport i'm in the airport with the mask on i'm on the plane when you know when you can't take it off i mean like we normally every day you go somewhere you get sick of the mask you say i'm just going to step outside for five minutes and get a bit, a bit of air or something but of course you couldn't there so i remember getting to sicily and just like you know it's like a sort of slow motion oh, ripping this mask off it's air but yeah i've yeah I've flown quite a bit i mean i remember the first sort of big job i did was um i did a world tour with a, a theater company called cheek by jowl we did um as you like it i remember we went to japan and we were doing it at the globe and there's a globe in japan yeah the globe's in tokyo oh, oh. but we did this we were doing this play and i remember adrian lester um amazing actor and Patrick Toomey were on stage doing this scene and now and me and another actor Sam Graham away which usually we would go on in this scene and he wasn't there Sam wasn't there and then it came to our queue and I stood there thinking what what do I go on what what should I do and then all I can hear is that the um, assistant stage manager going you know Sam Graham you are off Sam Graham you are off so I, I ran on stage and then I made Shakespeare up. You know, I, I said something like, you know, my mistress did bid me tell you what love is and then went into this speech that I did later on in the scene. So I'm doing this speech that I went later on in the scene and then about four lines in, Sam comes sliding on stage, like completely out of breath, shaking, like, like this. And, and I'm going to do this speech and then we sort of stop, look at him and then he starts from the start of the scene again no. <laughs> when I've already you know given the end away oh my god so th so then we're going through the scene and I'm thinking well what do I do now because I'm going to get to my bit and I've already done it so I, I made I can't remember myself, but I made Shakespeare up again to get over that bit the best thing was I looked out and in Japan you have um, uh, translators who sit they were sitting sort of at the side in this little booth <laughs> I remember looking out when I was making it up and I remember them go, seeing them and they're going, like flicking the pages, looking at each other going, where's, that? I thought, where's this bit, where's this bit? Oh, I'll tell you. So they're translated for the audience? Yeah, they're translated for the audience, yeah. So they'd have to rep just to repeat it, so you just blame it on them. Exactly, and funnily, funnily enough at the time, they all had masks on. So the whole, oh, the, the, yeah. the whole theatre was, you know, they all had masks on. Well, because on. they did anyway, pre-Covid masks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's something to do with, you know, actors spit or whatever but yeah so and we too with that, that with that job i mean i went everywhere brazil we went to and we're on the cabana beach and um we we'd gone out to this do it was british council do and us, it was an all-male cast so someone had said oh you know where's the club where's the most exciting club we want you know where are the girls and all this and so we went, oh, well, it's here. This guy said, I'll go there. And we just went to this, we were expecting this big glitzy club and it was this horrible, you know, dive where you go in and there's, you know, just women walking around and some bl big bloke in the corner playing with himself. And it was like, <laughs> it was. I mean, it was like, it was like, i tell you what it was like. You, you know, those in those 70s movies where the hero gets drugged without knowing or he takes drugs like, and the lights start flashing and the music goes all funky and it's really, you know, and I remember sitting there like sweating, thinking, oh God, I don't want to be here. And eventually we got out. It was one of those where, you know, it cost not no money to get in, but it was like, I, I had a Coke or something and it cost like, it was $20 for this Coke, you know, it was like, just pay it, let's get out. And then we walked on the, the beach and it was like, well, there's nobody on the beach. This is, where is everybody? And then these two coppers like, we, we, like walked right across the beach to us. There was about five of us. And they had the guns out. 
And they were like pointing the guns at us. What are you doing? What are you, you know what are you doing? And we're like, oh, we're English. We're actors like this on the beach. We're Shakespeare. No, Shakespeare. We're actors. <laughs> Shakespeare. Shakespeare like this. What did he say? What was this? Well, he made it. He said, oh, he said, empty your pockets. Just like a bit like you. What's in your pocket? What would they have said if they'd have found that little yeah. exactly. yeah. peas or whatever it is you had? But of course, I, I, I got, I got my pockets out and I had some money in my pocket. And I remember holding the money like that in one of my hands, thinking, oh my god, he's going to think I'm trying to bribe him. You know what I mean? Like panicking, because obviously, you know, I, this is like one of the first times I've been away from home. And you don't want to say, I'm not trying to bribe you. Exactly. So I'm just panicking like this. And then at the time I smoked, and I remember he, he, he started sniffing our fingers because he thought we'd been <laughs> he, he thought we'd been smoking dope on the beach. That was his thing, yeah. I think. <laughs> not putting your fingers somewhere in... in... So he goes, like, weird, going, like, let me smell your fingers. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So he's going on, people smelling the fingers, and he comes to me... And he smells my fingers and then he sort of stops and then he smells them again. Oh, like the sniffer dog. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I'm, st- I'm standing there thinking, oh, no, 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 uh, cigarettes, cigarettes, like this. And and, he, and, he, and it, honestly, it felt like, I mean, it must have been seconds, but it's one of those situations where you know you're standing there thinking, and it felt like forever that he's sniffing my fingers. And then, <laughs> and then eventually he sort of went, okay. And then he walked us back to the hotel. And I tell you... I, Still sniffing your fingers. Well, I just, it, it was one of those... Being that you know a lad from the borough, it was an experience I'd never forget because it was it was terrifying, and you know the whole sort of length of that night encapsulated it was like horror. So yeah, my experience. And this in, is at the Copacabana. That's where we went on the Copacabana. You know, I can beach, never yeah. say that. I always want to say Copacabana. Copa, Copa, you, <laughs> you don't think this terrifying thing with this uh, policeman with his suspecting you of some drugs misdemeanours yeah. um, do you don't think it was karma related to the years earlier when you tried to sell Mad Mick talcum powder <laughs> and, and herbs from herbal tobaccos as drugs it might be he may be related to Mad Mick you never know yeah well I'd like to say thank you very much Mark yeah. Benton it's been wonderful hearing about the Shakespeare I had no idea um, of the sort of excitements that Shakespeare and actors um, <laughs> got involved with yeah it's rock and roll yeah. I didn't yeah it's having your fingers sniffed on a beach I'd never I don't know, imagined that I don't if somebody said to you if, even even if it was a, 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 an, a an official of the law if they said to you can I sniff your fingers would you you'd, you'd have a sort of question mark over that wouldn't you a massive question mark but if you said can I sniff your ass, <laughs> yes. that would be even worse <laughs> Thank you, Bano, for all your uh, attention and, <laughs> and stories. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, off you go. Bye. So there goes Mark Benton, what a the Shakespearean actor who Wait. had his fingers sniffed. He sold me this just before he left. It's this white powder and this, yeah. this stuff here. It was 100 quid, but he said it's really good. Yeah. Um, perhaps you'd like to try some and see if you can see some spacemen. Mm, well, that's self-raising, and, uh, and that, on the other hand, is a packet of Trill budgie <laughs> feed. This podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers with James Stewart and George Latham. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.